Father, may you grant us strength and wisdom to know when to lay silent and when to strike. As you know, the flesh deceives us often in this area. I pray for forgiveness for when we fail to seek you by faith to respond in accordance with your will. And I will praise you for all of our victories and praise you even for correcting us for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We talked about in last episode, number nine, it really is as simple as Jesus is king. We read in Psalm 10, verse 16, the Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen are perished out of his land. Until the heathen perish, we are going to have to stay fit physically and spiritually. I had to exercise for 22 years in the army. That was so that I could pass a regular physical fitness test. Now, when I began basic training, I hated to run. I hated to run at first, but then it grew on me. I grew to love to run. Unfortunately, my hip is not the greatest these days, so I don't get to run like I used to, except for the occasional lower impact treadmill. But all this being said, the greatest exercise I have experienced in my entire life is the trail walks with my wife, where we often will walk two to three miles briskly while she does most of the talking, I do most of the listening, and we pray together. Now, I like to get back into a more regular routine as it pertains to physical exercise. I feel that my routine spiritually is being refined more and more, but I do not want to neglect that which is physical neither, for we know that physical exercise does have its little profit concerning this life and being able to accomplish the things we need to accomplish without getting sick all the time. So I want to get back into a regular routine of stretching calisthenics and push-ups and maybe we'll get this going somewhat today faith endures on gab replies this is exactly how it should be she says i don't do crossfit but i do love my daily slow jog walk two miler and she says it's funny how it can put my mind someplace else entirely some days i need that more than others we all do my sister in christ i found that as i have walked on these feet called dogs. These dogs have walked many miles. And it's while it's been during these walks. That my mind has been able to drift off to the things of God. In a more undistracted profound way. Spartan 11.8 at US. On Gab says ever tried kettlebells. I've been doing both religiously since many days in the formation can still do the 12 miler to air assault standards well my brother negative on the kettlebells i'm afraid i'll break something but as for the 12 miler i do believe that these road dogs could muster out one uh, considering i was an air assault 11b rockasan and for those of you who don't know the nomenclature of the military or the army 11B stands for infantrymen. I was an infantryman with the 101st 
uh, back in the day. But as I have opened this episode with, I mostly stick to the trail walks now where we have hills in our area and mountain sides that are close by. So if you're listening, Spartan, keep up the good work while this body can. And hopefully I can get my work to step up here soon on the physical side. And then I read a very encouraging testimony that was in response to this discussion in this newly created exercise group on Gab from a Danny Geeter. And he says, my wife and I walk the trail along the lake and stop and pray at the same spot every time. We also write Jesus in the sand daily. He says, a neighbor saw, asked what we were doing, came, looked and said, that's great. And he says, when they come back to that same spot, uh, there were more. And I'm assuming that more people were writing Jesus in the sand. And I just had to praise the Lord at this response. And our conversation continued in this thread. And we discussed the blessings of marriage. We discussed the blessings of our children. And I told him of our grandchildren as well. Which brings me to a question, O Christians. Why in the literal hell are you marrying non-Christians? Which brings us to our reading today in Ezra chapter 10 and verse 11. Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure. And separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. Why are we marrying non-Christians, Christians? Then you wonder why you, you have so many problems. Half-assed horseman on Gab replies, unequally yoked, if you put an ox and a jackass together to plow a field, it doesn't work well. I agree 100%, my brother. That would be called a half-assed horseman. <laughs> oh, sometimes all we can do is laugh with one another. <laughs> oh, yeah, his username is half-assed horseman, and it's funny that it played right into that one. So we can just joke around sometimes with one another. That's that's part of the of fellowship. Uh, anyways, back to this idea of marriage. The elect in Christ should marry the elect in Christ. Otherwise, you are going to experience a viper strike. And I want to highlight that word or phrase, viper strike, by entitling today's episode exactly that, Viper Strike number 10. Because you're going to get bit. Just a matter of time. So the elect in Christ should marry the elect in Christ, period. Well, one says, well, how do you do that, though? Ask the Lord. That's exactly what I did as a 18, 19-year-old teenager who just started his military career in the Army. I was in advanced individual training, getting my job training, and I prayed and I asked God, I said, Lord, is there a woman out there who loves you? May you lead me to her. And I found her. And I've been married to her for over 27 years now. She is the one and, and always has been the one intended for me. Therefore, any affection that was given to another prior to this was only stolen from my wife. 
And yet at the end of our time here on earth, we will be found within or without this elect. The elect that should marry the elect. The Israel of God, the church, which is by faith in Jesus Christ. Because our salvation is already known by God. So he knows who's going to be saved. He knows who is saved. So he can lead you to a godly spouse if you ask him. Matter of fact, I believe he's more than happy to do so. But even before we take our very first step of faith as a born-again Christian, we are known as the elect in Christ. Jesus prayed for us even before we surrendered to him. And he sought us as the elect and, and his bride while on earth. He did not seek or pray for those outside of this election that the Father gave him. We see this in John 17, 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, Jesus said, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. 17.2, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. It's here that we see before our salvation, we are the lost sheep that Jesus went after in Matthew 10.6 that we read today, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He told his disciples, Matthew 15, 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Who is this other than the elect? Jeremiah 56 says, my people hath been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. What is our resting place? In Christ. <laughs> In Christ alone, my friends. And after our first step of faith, it is repentance that keeps the elect from remaining lost in a perpetual state of backsliding. Luke 15, 4-7, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after them which is lost until he find it? And when he had found it, he lay it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven for over every one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. Then some say, if Jesus only prayed for the elect, why are we to pray for our enemies? I'll tell you why. Because we do not know who the elect are. Jesus does. And an enemy today could be a Christ friend tomorrow. For all we know, if Jesus Christ saved me, he could save anyone. If he saved you, he could save anyone. And if our eternal life is sure in Christ, how much more is our temporal life secure in him? I saw a Disclose.tv tweet that says new excessive deaths above the five-year average at over 20 percent in england and wales for the last week of 2022 and they have this chart here where that shows the the change concerning the five-year average of deaths and then disclose.tv asks at what percentage should we start worrying it is questions like this where we see that physical death is overrated too many people are worrying about it. 
When Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It's here that we see that spiritual death is not overrated. Our God and Father makes it clear that even a sparrow's lifespan is determined. And so is ours. Our lifespan is determined unto a certain appointed time. Matthew 10, 29 through 31 are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are numbered, all numbered. Fear you not, therefore you are of more value than the sparrows. Yet, what do we see? We see that worry still exists concerning many things, concerning this life, concerning the economy, concerning fuel, concerning food, when there is no need for this anxiety. Have you noticed that since well, at least COVID began, we no longer hear about Islamic terrorism. It seems that that play in the Zionist-controlled opposition book must have expired. Wendy replied on Gab, they recycle everything, it will come back. <laughs> Ain't that true, sister? Peter Crosby says, they can't risk doing terrorist things, they might spread COVID. So I couldn't resist. On the article format of today's episode, I put together... A meme with the come on, do something figure, stick figure that's pointing the stick at a jihadi who's smiling and, and, and he says, come on, do something with your mask on. <laughs> uh, sometimes all we can do is laugh. Papa Brian on Gab replies, they switched the wording from Islamist to Christian. And it seems that they are all about switching wording. So. You're spot on, Papa Brian. Disclosed.tv says Justin, German linguist, declared climate terrorist as the unword, non-word of the year 2022. So here, you can't say climate terrorist no more, but for some reason you could say Christian terrorist. They continue in another tweet. The jury argued that the use of the term climate, this went to a jury. Uh, the jury argued that the use of the term climate terrorist equates activists and terrorists with ter- equates activists with terrorists, thus criminalizing and defaming them. Well, I have a news flash for all of you. I am a Christian activist. Eh, no wonder that they defame us and criminalize us and call us Christian terrorists. Now, do you understand why why this? Billowing of the Christian terrorist narrative continues to envelop our society today. Matthew 10, 25, it is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Listen, contrary to popular belief, I am not a Christian terrorist. I am a Christian worker. I've been preaching the gospel since I was 18 years old as a workman for Christ. During this time, God has provided meat for this sparrow of a man, mainly through secular employment and a career in the military. But never have I and never will I seek a monetary advance in loans for the work that God has called me to do. This is not my business. This is his business. 
since the time of summer of 2021, the Lord has allowed the conditions for this to be my full-time work. Those who can and have been led to believe this work is worthy have partnered with it in different ways. And all I can say is thank you. I'm thankful for that. Matthew 10, 7 through 10. And as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor script for your journey. Neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves. For the workman is worthy of his meat. I like this tweet that Leonard Ravenhill's page posted today in remembrance of his work in writing when he said, Obedience may not bring you money. It may not make you popular, but it brings an inward inward peace. It brings an inward joy. It brings an inward sense of satisf- satisfaction. And Leonard, brother, Leonard Ravenhill gets it. Or he got it. He's with the Lord now. And so freely I have been given and freely I give. And this work is all free to all within this podcast. Peter Crosby on Gab replies in encouragement, your work has borne fruit, good fruit. He says, I thank God for you always. Keep up the good fight, my brother. And I say, praise the Lord. I thank God for you, brother Peter, and the work that he has called to you as well. And I stamped this reply on Gab with a 2 Timothy 2.3, which is my life verse. Anna Marina on Gab gives a high five and says, keep going. Well, I'll give you a high five back, my sister. You keep up the good fight as well, my Christ friends. But not everyone is going to welcome us with open arms such as Peter and Anna. When you bring to the gospel to them, they're just not going to do it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 12 through 13. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace be upon it. But if not be not worthy, let your peace return to you. In other words, do not let anyone rob you of your peace in Christ. Matthew 10, 14. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house, shake off the dust of your feet. I do have a video of my foot shaking the very dust off of it. And that is on the article format of this episode at gospel.com or andrewhorville.substack.com. You can see that video. Matthew 10, 15, Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for that city. Now, if Jesus Christ and his apostles suffered much rejection in this world, so will you and I. It is a given. Matthew 10, 24, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. But I can say this, blessed are we because of this. And do not be surprised neither when your own flesh and blood betrays you, because mankind betrays his creator every single day. Matthew 10, 21, and the brother shall deliver up the brother to death and the father to the child and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. 
And it's here that the line is drawn in the sand and the time will come when a choice will have to be made. Who will you choose? Matthew 10, 34-37 Think not that I come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, if I did not choose Christ, my dad would not be listening to this podcast today. If he's tuning into this episode. And believe me, my dad has wrestled with God for a long time. But I'm glad to report to you today that he actually listens to the podcast. Maybe not every single episode, he says. But he does tune in to this podcast. And he does have a copy of my book. The book that D. Hare had replied concerning. She said, I read your book and it, that is a very powerful statement, brother. So I don't always remember what I write, but I may have talked about my dad's uh, uh, walk with the Lord as well. But may God keep lifting you up for ears to hear my our Christ sister says. And I told her, and I tell you all, I'm glad if you had the opportunity to read my story, A Soldier's Progress. Because indeed, we do serve a very powerful God. And I thank this sister as I thank, try to thank all of you for your encouraging words. And I wish her Godspeed and to keep up the good fight. But this is what Christ's friends do. We encourage one another in the Lord. I'm glad that Michael is a chosen brother in Christ. And the fact that Michael chose the Lord Jesus Christ. Michael, a penitent voice post on Gab. Candidly, I've done all of the vices in my life that a guy my age can do. I admonish people who mock my Christian faith like I chose that path first and had no clue about the other paths in this world. No, I was and I am living in sin. I make a continuous decision every day to worship God and carry my cross. I am not sheltered. I know what this world has to offer and it is pale in comparison to the gifts of God. He says, stand firm in your decision to follow Christ. He says, for most of us, it was a hard learned lesson. Which brings us to a historical Christian quotes tweet at Reformed Pastors from John Flavel that says, Jesus Christ in every way sufficient to the vast desires of the soul. And this is true. I know this. And it's what inspires me to confess the name of Jesus Christ to even strangers. When is the last time you have confessed Jesus Christ to a stranger? Matthew 10, 32, 33. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. It's not hard, my friends. Just yesterday I was getting an eye exam and the eye doctor asked me, what do you do now in this life? And I told him that I'm a podcaster and that I share the gospel. It's not hard, my friends, to share your faith. I'm not ashamed. 
The question is, are you? James Pinochet, neighbors at Gab, says, what are the scariest words ever spoken? Him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. If you find yourself in that situation, it means your soul is doomed and you did it to yourself. Don't do that to yourself. God is waiting for you. Go find him. <laughs> yeah, there you go, James. He's getting serious about God. And then he says, I try to make a daily statement about the necessity for Christ. And, this, and necessary he is. Necessary he is, brother. And if the Christian life was the gospel according to Joel, oh, it would be easy. But it's not. Matthew 10, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Our faith is hated, yet it's the same faith that endures to the end. The question is, are you focused on this faith that leads to life eternal, or are you focused on the anxieties of this temporal life? Matthew 10, 38-39, He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And this is what Christ's friends do. We also receive each other in the name of Jesus Christ. Verses 40-41, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's award. And sometimes all it takes is a cup of cold water. I had posted a, one of my favorite clips from one of my favorite movies of all time. A Christ friend had just recently gifted me with a copy of the classic Ben-Hur in book format. It's in a antique book format. But it's in this clip that we see that sometimes all it takes is a cup of water. I have this video embedded in the article format of today's episode. You can also find it on YouTube entitled, No Water for Him, Ben-Hur. Which brings us to Matthew 10, 42. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of water, cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. So sometimes it's a cup of cold water and sometimes it takes a strike of a viper. A serpent knows when to remain completely still and a serpent knows when to strike. Matthew 10, 16 through 17, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be you therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. So, so should we. We should be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Speaking of a viper strike, we read today in the book of Genesis, chapter 10, 8 through 9, And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Now there was a limited resurgence of Nephilim, those that were interbred between the fallen angels and human women. After the flood, a resurgence. But this resurgence would soon be wiped out by 
Israelite-inflicted genocide. So was Nimrod the beginning of this Nephilim resurgence? Perhaps, I do not know. I would have to research and study it more to make a, a better definitive on it, whether or not the Lord gives me to the, the answer to that question. But Nephilim or not, all I know is that may repentance trend again. I do know the purpose of these things and, and of this genocide in, in the days of old. It was to bring people to their knees and back to repentance. Such as we read about in Ezra 10.1, Now when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children. For the people wept very sore. We should encourage each other to this same resolve to arise as Ezra says in verse 4, for this matter belongeth unto thee, we also will be with thee. Be of good courage and do it. Just do it, my friends. Because when's the last time you have seen the house of God tremble? As we read in verse 9, then all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together unto Jerusalem within three days. It was the ninth month on the twentieth day of the month, and all the people sat in the street of the house of God, trembling because of this matter and for the great rain. And I'm not talking about fake charismatic demonic seizures either. Then some say, well, how do we rise above all of this fakeness that we see in commercial Christianity? I'll tell you how. Is God in all of your thoughts? Is God in all of your thoughts? Psalm 10:4. The wicked through the pride of his continence will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. God is not in all your thoughts. You are not in all of his thoughts. We all should respond to the word of God with the people of Ezra that says, Then all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so must we do. Let this be the viper strike and not the other way around. I pray that this episode of Gospeled was a blessing to you. And if you would like to become a team member of this Christ work, simply pray. Pray that God would use this podcast mightily for his glory. Share the episodes wherever you can and support with a subscription if you're able to do so. We are in this together, Christ friends. Keep up the good fight.